0: All right. Well, now that we got them out of here, let's party. <laughs> Probably not. So next week is Pastor Sarah's ordination service, and last week uh, I felt led to share kind of kind of back to the basics stuff that um, I, I had gotten poured into at the retreat that I was at. And so we've got this kind of Orphan Sunday sitting here. And, and what we've been doing um, for the past number of weeks is we've been looking at the minor prophets. And they're, they're called the minor prophets, not because they're less important, but because they're smaller than the major prophets, the four major prophets. So we've been working our way through the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And we, we've looked at Jonah and we've looked at Nahum and I've got this weird Sunday right now that it's like between. So what, what do I do for one Sunday? And so I decided to do the shortest one. So we're going to look at the prophet Obadiah, the shortest book of the Old Testament. When's the last time you heard a sermon about Obadiah? Never. Never right after you heard the sermon about Nahum, which was two weeks ago, which I'm sorry about that. I don't know. Whew, that, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go read Nahum. And they're going to be like, he preached on that? So we're going to look at Obadiah. We're going to look at Obadiah today. There are 12 minor prophets, and there are 39 books in the Old Testament, and here we are at the shortest one. Would you pray with me, and then we will read this book. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And now, Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Once again, we recognize that it is your word that's inspired. It is your word that speaks, and it is you who speak through it. And so, God, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would not only inspire your word, which you already have, but now inspire our understanding of it. We're inviting you here, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read the entire book of Obadiah. It is 21 verses. Okay, here we go. Did everybody find it? It's like super hard to find. It's going to be on the screen, but it's better to look if you got your Bible. Here we go. The book of Obadiah. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise and let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home unto heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. You, would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, Will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, Edom, men of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, O Temin, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth, And foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. You were like one of them. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster. "'Nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. "'You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, "'nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. "'The day of the Lord is near for all nations. "'As you have done, it will be done to you. "'Your deeds will return upon your own head.' Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess its inheritance. The house of Jacob will be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. The house of Esau will be stubble, and they will set it on fire and consume it. There will be no survivors from the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau, and people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will... Possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. I need a drink of water after that. What do you do when the Lord tells you that you're supposed to preach out of Obadiah? (laughs) You preach out of Obadiah. I don't know if you've even read this before. I don't know if you've ever read it at all. Maybe some of you that like made a, like you, you, Committed to God, I will read all the way through Scripture. Maybe you've read that before. I doubt you read it very often. What in the world does this book have to do with us? What in the world? And you're, you're like, I came to church on Sunday. I got out of bed. I put on nice clothes. I drug my kids here to go to practice. And you're just like, and we're going to do this? I just, this is, yeah, not a party. Exactly right. Or is it? I think the Lord has something for us. Okay, so we're going to give this a try, and you're going to give me grace. That's how this is going to work. Everybody got that? That's how this is going to work. Context matters, doesn't it? Context matters If you want to understand what the Bible means, you must first understand what it meant to the original audience and the original author. And then, only then, can we understand what it means for us today. Context matters. And I want to try to give you a little bit of context because my guess would be, I just read 21 21 verses and you're just like, "Eh." Bonnie's like, could we just get back to Psalm 139? It's so nice. Like, yeah. Then you're like, What am I doing here? Okay, so here we go. At the end of today, I hope you will understand Obadiah and maybe even in some crazy way you didn't expect, actually apply it to your life. That's the goal. So first off, I just want to let you know, we know almost nothing about Obadiah. Almost nothing. There are like 21 people in the Old Testament with the name Obadiah. We don't know if this Obadiah is one of them or not. We have no idea. We barely even know anything about like the time that Obadiah was written. Okay? So just to let you know, we don't know. So what do we know? Well, here's what we know. We know what the letter was written about. It's written about Edom. Edom. E-D-O-M. Does anybody even know what Edom is? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody know? Cheese is false. I don't don't know what you're even talking about back there, Dale, but it has nothing to do with cheese as far as I know, okay? Edom is a country, okay? It's a country that is in the Bible, and I need to take you back to give you context the story in Genesis. Remember, Genesis has 50 chapters. The first 11 chapters are like everything before Abraham. Remember that? And then chapters 12 all the way to chapter 50 is all about Abraham and his family. And in fact, the rest of the Old Testament, all the way from Genesis chapter 12 all the way to the end of Malachi, it's all about one family. Abraham's family. The entire Old Testament is the story of one family and how God chose that family to bless the world, right? That's the story. Now, it's, there's more detail than that, but that's the story. It's the story of one family, Abraham's family. Now, Abraham and Sarah, they, didn't, they couldn't have children, remember that? But then God was like, you're going to have a kid, and you remember the name of the kid? Isaac. Yes, so Abraham had Isaac. Isaac was the child of promise. Remember, there's Ishmael too. Abraham had the fling with the handmaiden. That was a whole different, trying to forget that, right? You know, so that's a different, yeah. So Abraham and Sarah had a child. That child's name was Ishmael. Ishmael got married to Rebekah and they had two boys. Do you remember the boys' names? They were brothers, not Ishmael. That. Thank you for correcting me. Isaac and Rebekah had, had two boys. They had twin boys, and their names were Jacob and Esau. Remember, they were in the womb, and they were even fighting in the womb. You remember that? And like, uh, Esau came out first, and Jacob was like holding on to his foot. Remember that? When he, so I mean, I've never had a child, like personally. I can only imagine it's bad enough when there's one. Then there's two and they're fighting. That's bad, okay? So Esau comes out and Jacob's following. Now, you remember the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau, if you remember, was a hunter. He had red hair and he had a lot of it. And I'm not just talking about from his head. He was literally known as being a hairy guy. Right? He had hair. I mean he was like covered in hair. This red, like a, I just I imagine Esau just having this mat of hair all over his body, like coming out as you know how that happens sometimes. Like, yeah, that that that's Esau, and it's all red, right? So he's a man. Esau's a man. He's hairy. He's a hunter. Right? He he actually and he actually hunted. He just didn't sit in a deer stand and wait for the deer to come to him. Okay? He was a real hunter. Okay, he actually hunted. Yeah, and I'm sure that corn just happened to grow there. Yeah, okay. So he is a real hunter. Okay, so Esau was a man's man. And his dad, Isaac, liked him. He was the favorite son. Remember that? And then there's Jacob. You remember Jacob? He wasn't hairy, right? He didn't have any hair. Probably barely, barely shaved, right? He, he was a homebody. He liked to cook. Yes. This is Jacob. The guy that stays at home and cooks. Okay? Non-hairy, non-hunter, and guess what? Rebecca's favorite. You remember that? Mama's boy. Jacob was mama's boy. Now you remember the story. Isaac was supposed to get the he was supposed to get the, the promise. He was supposed to get the inheritance. Like he he was supposed to get the lion's share of the inheritance. And then Jacob would get a little bit, but just a little bit. So Esau also would get something very important. He was supposed to get the promise of God that God had given to Abraham. Abraham passed that promise down to Isaac. Isaac was then going to pass that promise down. To Esau, you remember that? And that was the promise of your descendants will be as great as the stars in the sky and the sand on the sheep." Remember that promise? It was like a super big deal, right? And then Esau got hungry. Remember that story? And Esau's like, oh, he came in and he's like, oh, I'm so hungry. And there's Jacob probably with his apron on, right? And, and Jacob's like, I'll make you some soup, you know, your favorite soup. You're going to love it. And Esau's like, oh, I would give anything for some soup. And Jacob's like, anything? He's like, yes, anything. Even your birthright. And Esau's like, yes. Have you ever seen a man's man when they're hungry? Have you seen it? Man's men oftentimes are stupid. I'm just reading from the Bible here. This is just scripture. Just scripture. Okay, so Jacob, you know the story. He makes him the soup. He takes the birthright, steals it, right? These two brothers didn't like each other. They were fighting in the womb. They came out fighting. They were different. They were very, very different. And then these two brothers, these two brothers became nations because they had kids and the kids had kids and the kids had kids and the kids had kids. Exponential growth with God's blessing through Abraham, two nations. The nation that came out of Jacob, the son of promise, he received the birthright from God. They became a nation, you're going to recognize the name. They became the nation of Israel. And why did they become the nation of Israel? Because Jacob wrestled with God and God changed his name to Israel. Because Israel in Hebrew means one who wrestles with God. That's what the name means. Okay? But Esau also changed his name to Edom. E-D-O-M. Esau founded the nation of Edom. What does the word Edom mean? Red. Not only was his hair red, but the rocks where the Edomites made their dwelling were red rocks. So it was like double red. Okay? Now, if you look at this map right here, you're probably wondering, where's Edom? All right, so here's Israel. Do you see Israel up there? Do you see Jerusalem, the little star in the middle? So you've got the kingdom of Israel, you've got the kingdom of Judah. Under King Saul, David and Solomon, those were united in one kingdom. After Solomon, they split into two. So you've got the northern kingdom of Israel, you've got the southern kingdom of Judah. And look to the south and a little bit to the east is the kingdom of Edom. The Edomites, Israel's southern and slightly eastern neighbor, were brothers. They were brothers with the Israelites. That's Edom. And they didn't stop fighting with just Jacob and Esau. The nations of Israel and the nations of Edom just kept fighting. They fought and they fought and they fought. And they were Edom was listed as an enemy of Israel oftentimes in the Old Testament. And in fact, King Saul attacked Edom. And then King David conquered Edom. And then Solomon, King Solomon, David's son continued his jurisdiction over Edom. And it wasn't until the later kings of the southern kingdom of Judah that Edom broke away and regained their independence. Do you know, they didn't have a lot of love for each other, did they? Would you have a lot of love for someone that conquered you? Probably not. There's stories in the Old Testament of the victories of King David killing 10,000 Edomites. Well, that's nice. Not very nice. Well, eventually, like I said, Edom broke free and they were their own nation again. Now, something really happened. I told you there's only two dates that I want you to remember in all of the Old Testament timeline. Okay? One of the dates is 722. That was the date that the northern kingdom of Israel was destroyed by the Assyrians. The other date was 586. Because in 586 B.C., so that's approximately 2,600 years ago from today. In 586 B.C., the southern kingdom of Judah was attacked and utterly destroyed by the empire of Babylon. Why am I telling you all of this? I thought we were talking about Obadiah. Because I'm talking about Obadiah. The context of Obadiah is the destruction of Jerusalem in 586. When Judah fell to the Babylonians, they went into the exile. So when you hear things about the Jewish exile, that is when the Babylonians in 586 destroyed the southern kingdom and they sent all of the aristocrats, all of the literate people, all of the rulers got sent from Jerusalem all the way back over to present-day Iraq where Babylon had its capital. Okay? This happened, by the way, the destruction of the northern kingdom in 722 and the southern kingdom in 586 happened on purpose. Because Israel, the nation of Israel, both the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, had violated their covenant with God. Remember that covenant that God made with Israel during the time of Moses? If I had my timeline, you remember that? The little picture of the Ten Commandments is on there. During the time of Moses... God made a covenant with his people Israel. And he said, if if you will be my people and worship me as God, I will be your God. And I will protect you and I will be be a blessing to you. And you will have livestock and, and good agriculture and all of those things. And I will protect you. That's my side of the bargain, my side of the covenant. But you, Israel, must worship me and me alone. You must not worship idols. You must not look at graven images. And let me just say the rest of the Ten Commandments. You see, the Ten Commandments are the covenant document. That's what the Ten Commandments are. They're the covenant document that God made with the people of Israel through Moses. Moses was the mediator. Now, part of that covenant document is the book of Deuteronomy because Moses said to the people of Israel a speech at the end of his life where he said, here's the covenant. That speech is the book of Deuteronomy. Book Deuteronomy is a one-day speech. And in that speech, Moses said, here's the blessings that will happen if you keep my covenant. And then he said, and here's the curses that will happen if you don't. 586 is the fulfillment of the curses that God made with the Israelites during the covenant of Moses at the speech in Deuteronomy. Those curses came to fulfillment in 586 B.C. Are we still talking about Obadiah? What is all this? I could have got the timeline out, but Dave Rokes would have got mad at me. So, so here, here we go. The, the people of the southern kingdom, they earned what they got. They knew the curses of God if they disobeyed the covenant and they disobeyed the covenant anyways and God allowed Babylon to destroy them. They got what they earned. But here's the key to understanding the book of Obadiah. Although Judah earned what they got, Edom took advantage of the situation. Look again at Obadiah, verses 10 through 14. Because of, did you get that? Now, in the first nine verses, it's all about what's gonna, how God's judgment's coming on Edom and all of the things that are going to happen to Edom. And verse 10 is the, the key here. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob. Now, why would he call him the brother Jacob? It's Jacob and Esau. This is Jacob and Esau. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob. I love it because a whole bunch of light bulbs just went on when I said that. You're like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense. That makes more sense now, right? This is what context does. It makes sense of the Bible. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem you were like one of them. This is the description of what happened when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. He's describing it. And on that day, here's Edom sitting into the south, okay, going. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're getting what you deserve. How many of you have a brother? <laughs> Isn't it fun when your brother gets caught? Oh man, you got what you deserved, right? That's Edom. But look at what else they do. They don't just gloat. Look what else they do. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives. Look what they did to their brother. They went into Jerusalem and they pillaged. They cut down... Their future, these are relatives. They waited for them and cut them down in weight. You know what this is? This is God saying, that's not how you treat your brother. It is not uncommon for brothers to fight, is it? <laughs> I mean, literally while I was going over my sermon today, literally Megan comes into my office and she's like, She's like, my brother Preston, and went into this whole thing. And it's like, and I was sitting there thinking, I've said the same thing about my sister. Right? Have you? Have you? Oh, my sister, you know. I mean, you go into it, right? It is not uncommon for brothers and sisters to fight. It's kind of, it's kind of normal, and it's, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But I want to remind you of something. You know, when brothers fight and sisters fight, that's one thing. But when someone else picks on your brother, what are you supposed to do? What was that? Not go for it. What are we learning from Obadiah? When someone else picks on your brother, you don't do that. I'm the only one that gets to pound my brother. Right? You don't get to pound my brother. That's the way this works. Are we learning something from Obadiah today? Real life stuff. And now we need to learn about pride. Look at verse 3. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? The Edomites lived in houses that they carved out of stone. The red rock... Of the area south of Jerusalem, is fair. It's 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 not super hard. You can carve rock. You can carve houses into it. In fact, the movie Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade. You remember at the end of that movie, he goes and there's that beautiful stone structure, and he goes in and he finds the cup of Christ and all that kind of stuff. You remember that? That place is called Petra, and it's in Edom. That place is Edom because the edomites cut their houses into the rocks so petra is not is not actually being referenced here cuz petra was 4 bc which was a little bit later but petra is edom so they literally lived in the clefts of the rocks but look at that verse the pride of your heart has deceived you and look what proverbs says proverbs 16:18 go ahead proverbs 16:18 you You can go back to that one. Pride goes before what? Destruction. Some of you might like the King James version of this better. Pride goes before the fall. A haughty spirit before a fall. So, pride goes before a fall. The Edomites were prideful. And they participated in the brutalization of their brother. That's bad. That's really bad. And what in the world are we supposed to do with this today? (laughs) Oh, have you ever wanted to be a preacher? And try to figure out what you're supposed to... what, What is the Lord saying through this passage of Scripture? Well, we've now set the context, haven't we? We now know what the original readers, and original authors were thinking about what Obadiah's message was, now we know. But how do we apply this today? I mean, how does this, how does this message that is a 2,600-year-old message, that's how long ago this message came, and this message is referring to something that happened 700 years before that, which was Jacob and Esau, right? This is old how in the world do we apply this message today? And I think that's a fair question. And by the way, a question that we need to ask when we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible just for information, do we? We read the Bible so that we are changed by it. And if you're not changed by the reading of Scripture, um, something ain't right. You need to ask God about that. Okay? Now, look at Obadiah chapter, or, I'm sorry, verse 15. Oh, I don't know what that is. Obadiah verse 15 says, if you look in your Bible, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. Obadiah verse 15. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. You see, in the first nine verses, God is saying, Edom, you're going to be destroyed. And then in verses 10 through 14, God says, I'm going to destroy you because... You helped your brother be destroyed. Like you, you participated. And you weren't supposed to participate. But now in verse 15 to the end, this changes. Because now, Dave, can you take that off the screen? Because that's not right. It's supposed to be Obadiah 15. But now, the day of the Lord is near for all nations. Do you see how this is switched now? This is no longer just a message for Edom. This is for all nations. Can I ask you a question? Does the United States of America fit into that designation? Wow, that was not a tricky question. We are now being addressed in the book of Obadiah. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. Now, this is the part of the sermon when I have a chance of offending you. I don't want to offend you. And what I'm saying next is not meant to offend you. Okay? But it's something we've got to talk about as comes out of the book of Obadiah. Okay? So what I'm saying next is what the Lord laid on my heart as I looked at what Obadiah is saying to us today. Everybody got that? I'm trying to be faithful to what Scripture is leading. Make America great again. Can we talk about that for a second? Oh, could you put Proverbs sixteen, eighteen again up there? Yeah, there it is. America is not God's gift to the world. Jesus is God's gift to the world. Capitalism is not God's gift to the world. Jesus is God's gift to the world. As much as we in this country spread the love, hospitality, care, and protection of the innocent to each other and to the world, then I agree that it's a good thing to make America great again. But if we are concerned about maintaining our national status as the superpower in the world, using our power to push around other nations, to constantly put ourselves first in everything that we do, over the needs of others in our country and or others in the world, I have no desire to make America great again. Any questions about that passage of Scripture? National pride is not the goal of Christianity. Nationalism is incredibly dangerous to the cause of Christ. That's the message of Obadiah. Because when we hurt other people, even when they are already hurting, we are Edom. When we don't care about people less fortunate than us, and we are more concerned about maintaining our status quo and our favored status, we are Edom. Put Obadiah chapter or verse 3 back on the screen, please, Dave. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rocks. Why were they prideful? Because they thought they were safe in their fortified houses made of rock, they made their home in the heights. Why was that prideful? Because they thought they were above reach. They thought that they were better than those lowly Israelites. Who is that describing? Edom? Because it sounds a lot like us. I want to take us all the way back to the promise that God made to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the promise that God started with Abraham. It moved to Isaac. It went to Jacob. It went through Jacob to David. It went through David to Jesus. And it's now in us. We are called to be a blessing to the world through Jesus Christ, not a curse not a superpower, not a domineering empire. I am not going to be about making America great again if that's what we're talking about. If we're talking about our own status, our own strength, our own power. But I will be about making America great again if we're talking about being a blessing to the world. This is a hard message in Obadiah, isn't it? Because we're used to being very patriotic. In fact, we've kind of believed that being patriotic is what good Christians do. Is it? It can be. If we understand America to live up to the ideals of Jesus Christ. Of blessing the nations around us. And of not doing what I've seen so much of in the past years. In the past decades of our country. We can do better. We must do better. We must do better. Jesus is the ultimate fulfilling of this promise. Jesus is. And we are Jesus' representatives on this place. We must be a blessing in everything that we do. Every interaction we have. Every con. Every, every conversation, every Facebook post. Come on. Come on. I am not in favor of a prideful policy of putting America first. In front of everybody else. Are you? Why? Is your understanding of that based on Scripture? Or on something else? Because the something else is not the way of God. It's the way of Edom. We must be a blessing. Thank you, Jesus, for your word to us through the prophet Obadiah about the nation of Edom that doesn't seem like it applies to us. And yet, maybe, just maybe, For the rest of our lives, we will remember Obadiah. And we will take it to heart. And be the America that puts Jesus first. That we might bless all we can. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to a celebration with the Roths, cake and coffee.